Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Let me just start out by praying. Before we start out, let me just show of hand if you're a mom in the room, just so we can see who you are. All right, we're going to celebrate you today, and um, let me, let's just pray over our moms together. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for the gift of moms and the sacrifice they make and how, how much they give and how much they demonstrate and show your sacrifice and your love and compassion and nurture God, I thank you that um, you have called them into this amazing space, and I ask that you today would bless them, that you would just energize them, that they would feel celebrated, that they would feel honored, and God, we're so grateful for them, and I know there's many in the room, just with your eyes closed, how many of you today is like a difficult day? You would say, like, you can raise your hand, maybe maybe you have a difficult relationship with your mom, or you lost a mom, yeah, I want to just pray, God, that you would bring peace and healing and restoration God, as, as people grieve today, even would you mourn with those who mourn, and we ask for, for peace beyond our own understanding today in the midst of all the joy and celebration. So we thank you for the God who is the God of such beauty and mother, motherhood and the God who redeems all things. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been going through this series called Enhanced based on a book that I uh, put out last February. And we really have been talking about how every single person on the planet is a person of faith. I I know there's this idea that there are some people who are people of faith and there are others who are not. But the reality is, is that every single one of us put our faith in something. We as human beings are designed to presence the invisible, to create an evidence for the things that we believe. Now, here's the reality is that if you want to know what you put your faith in, Because the question isn't, do you put your faith in something? If you want to know what you put your faith in, just look at how you live. And so if you want to look at where you put your energy, what you put your time, what you put your trust in, that will inform you what you put faith in. And the question that we have to ask isn't, do we have faith? The question is, is what we're putting our faith in? Sorry, Siri's trying to talk to me right here. Siri, it's not your time. It's my time. Thank you. Is your faith moving you towards the person that you were designed to be, designed to become, and the life that you long to live? Because here's the thing. Faith alone is not enough. You have to enhance that to move your life towards the person that you long to be. And this entire series is based on this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these things, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities... 
In increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. See, we we are called to enhance our faith, that we are called to take our faith and add to it goodness, and then to our goodness, we are add to it knowledge, and then to our knowledge, we are to add to it self-control, and to our self-control, we are to add perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love, and it is in that order. In fact, it's a very succinct order. There's not too many places in the scripture that give you a clear order. Usually, you just get a giant list, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not like heart's more important than soul. It's just that there's a list there, right? Now, this actually has a very specific order because they build on each other. And last week, Pastor Freddie talked about self-control and what it looks like to control yourself, to move yourself forward. When I, when I think of self-control in this equation, this process, I think of it as the jet pack that actually moves us towards the destination that we were called to live. Because it's actually the very first thing that creates movement. Up until now, it's all just nice theory, We are seeing the world in a new way through goodness. We have this knowledge. But self-control actually takes all of that and it moves us forward into this powerful place. So up until now, it's just been theory, but now we actually start putting this into actions. And there are lots of things that you cannot control in your life. Some of you are still learning that lesson. But there's lots of things. In fact, I would say most things you cannot control in life. The one thing that you have absolute control over is yourself. And that's the power of self-control. And when you're unwilling to do that, when you're unwilling to control yourself, you start becoming a control freak with everyone else. See, when you're unwilling to control your own desires, your your own drive, your own inclinations, then you want to start controlling everyone else to make sure the world ends up the way that it, quote unquote, should be. And much of our language in our culture today negates our own self-control and the power that comes with that. We talk about things that just like happened to us or things that overtook us and then we just had to respond in a certain way. But self-control really literally says, no, I'm taking my power back and I refuse to let these outside circumstances influence how I live my life. And the faster we learn how to control ourselves, the more fuel we will have to move into the future. But in order to know what I need to control, I have to have knowledge. See, this is how this all starts to link together. In order to know what to control, I need to know what needs to be controlled. See, there's a lot of talk these days about needing to like trust your intuition, just trust your heart, just trust your gut. Let me just tell you, if you get that data, it's bad advice. It's really, really bad advice. Because I don't know if you've ever attempted to build a life based on feelings and inclinations, but it will always, always end up bad. I can guarantee it. Isn't it interesting that when people decide to live their life based on feelings, that your feelings never call you into the hard things in life? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That your feelings never, never call you into the, the difficult path or into the path that requires a lot of work or a lot of, a lot of hard energy. They always call you into the path that feels good. It always calls you into the path of least resistance. It always calls you into the path that, you know, just makes the most sense. But when we step into this space, it actually starts informing us of how we are to control our life when we add knowledge into this equation. See, when people are actually saying, I just want to trust my gut, what they're actually saying is I'm just going to trust my feelings, which are a horrible thing to build a lifetime. But see, until you have knowledge, you don't know what to control. About six months ago, our office decided to go on this 
really crazy fasting regime. And we were supposed to have like no calories until the evening, and then you could eat whatever you wanted basically in the evening. And so, so I was like, all right, let's do this. And so we could have any type of zero calorie beverage during the day. So we had a lot of coffee, a lot of tea, a lot of water. And then one day I was picking up some things from my kids at Sonic down the street. And I was going, and I was going through the drive-thru and, and I was looking at their slushes because it was a hot day. And I was like, a slush sounds really good. And I'm looking at all the flavors. And it says, Blackberry Splenda. And I'm like, Splenda is zero calories, right? So I asked the lady, I said, hey, um, it says that the, the Splenda slush, is that like zero calories? She said, yeah, that flavoring zero calories. I'm like, awesome. Sign me up for a giant Blackberry slush, right? Now, for the next week, I was like living off of Splenda Blackberry slushes, <laughs> like multiple times a day. I was like, this is awesome. This is like the way that we're going to get through this thing. And then when every day I would step on the scale, I wasn't losing weight. And I'm like, how, how is this possible? All I'm drinking is Splenda slushies and having salad at lunch, at dinner, right? I'm like, there's no way that this could not be happening. So I'm like, there has to, what, what is the one thing in this equation that could be impacting this, right? So I, I, I get online and I start researching Splenda slushies at, at, uh, at Sonic. And see, what they didn't tell me was that the slushy itself is pure sugar. <laughs> And then they add a zero calorie sweetener to the pure sugar. So I had been basically drinking like a thousand calories in sugar multiple times a day, assuming that I was doing myself something good. See, I had been given bad knowledge. I had been given bad knowledge, so I didn't know how to control myself. And I have not had a slushy since. So... <laughs> See, the more knowledge that you have about how the world works, the more you know how to control yourself to move your life towards the destination that you were designed for. And, and when you add to your life knowledge of how God has set up the universe for your success, you then know how to move your life towards that destination. It is the power to move your life towards wholeness. So you're going to have a hard time trusting knowledge that you gain if you believe that that knowledge is not inherently good. And that's why we must start with goodness. See how these all start to interact with one another? See, if, if you were like walking down the street and some guy came up to you out of the alley and said, hey, I know where you can get some candy. You want some? Probably not going to trust that knowledge, right? Now, if your abuelita comes out and says, hey, I know where there's some candy. Would you like some? You're going to trust that knowledge, right? And so there's a difference between where the knowledge comes from and how we view that knowledge, and so we must first believe that the knowledge that God is giving us is good, that we have to add to our faith goodness in order to understand that this is moving me towards the place that I'm called to live. See, if you can't see God as good, you're going to have a hard time trusting that his knowledge is actually good for you. And you're going to have a hard time controlling your life then to move your life forward. This is why this order is so important, that, that we must start with transforming our perspective that God is good. And then once we have that transformed, we can then add knowledge to our goodness and trust that the things that he is saying to us, the way that he has established the universe is good. And then once we have knowledge, we can then control ourselves to know how to move our lives forward into the future that we were called to. Now, here's the thing. Anyone can have self-control for a moment. It takes very little work to have self-control for a moment. See, how many of you have been on a diet for a day? Yep. Anyone lasted a week? Yep. How many of you have like hardcore and you're like, I went for a month, right? 
How many of you have tons of failed diets behind you, right? <laughs> in fact, how many of you have all kinds of things in your life that you were like, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop yelling at my kids. I'm going to stop spending money. And you can just look back at your life and you're like, yeah, I, I'm totally self-controlled for a few hours, right? <laughs> See, because having self-control is not the issue. The world is filled with dead resolutions of things that we were committed to. See, people love the conversation around self-control. In fact, there are billion-dollar industries that are built around tapping into that desire to control yourself. And they know that you can do it just for a little bit. That's why they need you to pay up front for that program. <laughs> because they know that you can control yourself for a minute. But self-control isn't enough. Because eventually you'll get tired. Eventually you'll start to burn out. Eventually you'll find yourself saying, this is not fun anymore. Because eventually you will find faithfulness difficult. Faithfulness inherently becomes something that requires more than just a nice idea. See, that you can control yourself for a minute means actually very little in the long scheme. The greater question is, can you control all of your power and love towards a future even when it gets difficult? Can you harness it for a lifetime? And this is what we call perseverance. And I think it's actually quite appropriate that we're talking about perseverance on Mother's Day. <laughs> See, because at some point, self-control will eventually turn into suffering. At some point, as you're controlling your desires, as you're controlling your impulses, as you're controlling all of your feelings inside, it will eventually turn into some type of suffering. And it will, in the end, eventually break part of you. Actually, that's not, it's not probably the best metaphor. Something inside of you will have to die in order to continue moving forward on this journey of faith. And we as human beings, we naturally resist suffering, right? And for good reason. I mean, I don't meet a lot of people who are like, you know what I really want to do today? Suffer. That would be wonderful. Uh, no, no one like says, sign me up for the suffering in life. But here's the thing. Most religion is actually designed to get us out of suffering in some way, shape, or form, including the modern movement of Jesus, this movement known as the church has shifted and morphed into this strange institution that cares more about relieving people of suffering than it does calling them into a meaningful life that requires suffering. And so suddenly this movement of church now is about, hey, when is this convenient? And this doesn't really fit into my schedule. And this doesn't work with baseball. And this is too expensive. And this might not match with what I really want to give my life to. Or, hey, all of my extracurricular activities don't really fit into this movement called Jesus. And so we care more about our comfort than we do about actually stepping into the life that we were called to. And left to our own devices, we will default towards staying safe. We will default towards comfort. We will default towards what is convenient for us every single time, which is why it's easy to be self-controlled for a moment. But it is much more difficult to live a life that is filled with perseverance. It's easy to come to church once. It's easy to commit to a community for a season. It's easy to give once. It's easy to forgive two, three times it's easy to keep going even when it hurts once or twice, but can it be a lifetime? That's really the question, and that really determines everything. Now, God is not a masochist, right? God is not just out there going, you know what I'd really love for my people is to suffer. That would be amazing. He's not just interested in suffering for the sake of suffering, but here's the thing, is that suffering is the pathway to passion, 
And it is the process of transformation that takes place in our life. There's this verse that's like on every single Christian Bible cover and poster and everything that's sitting on your desk. If you got it from a Christian bookstore somewhere and it's in Isaiah 43 and it says, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, that sounds so comforting, right? It's why we put it on on Bible covers and why we put it on posters and inspirational things around us. But I actually think we forget what this is saying. Isaiah is saying, hey, guess what you're going to do in your life? You're going to be sitting there, and all of a sudden, life's going to flood you. And you're going to lose everything. But I'm going to be with you. And then he's like, and all of a sudden you're going to be walking along in life and it's going to be wonderful and you're going to be having a hike and it's going to be amazing. You're going to have a picnic basket because you're ready to have this nice moment with your family. And then a river is going to come and wash away everything. (laughs) And then he says, and then you're just going to be sitting there and everything's going to catch on fire. (laughs) The world, you're just going to look, wow, the world around me is burning. But fear not, I'll be with you. (laughs) Right? How on earth is this not comforting? Why do we put this on Bible verse, Bible covers? But this is the book. See, Jesus actually promised us over and over and over again that we will have problems in this life, and we forget that. He says, no, you're going to have to go through the waters. That river, it's coming, I promise you. That fire that you're avoiding is going to eventually come, and it's going to consume a lot of things. And then because we believe so much that those couldn't be from God or that that God couldn't be in those, that when the the waters come and the rivers rage and the fires burn, we assume that God has abandoned us somehow. That those are signs that either we have done something wrong or that God is not interested in being with us. And they might be if you were left to face the waters alone or the rivers alone or the fires alone. But the beautiful thing in this is that he promises us One of the most important promises in the scriptures, and that is he will be with you in them. I remember the first time I I took Jackson swimming, and he was sitting on the edge of the pool, and I'm like, hey, buddy, I want you to get in. It's your choice. And he was so afraid, and he wouldn't get in, and he he was screaming and crying, and you know, it's the dad's job to make sure that the kid gets in the pool. And so I'm like, buddy, buddy, like, come on, come on. Let's like, I want you to risk. We, we're, we're neighbors. We live life of risk. We live life of passion. We, we do things that are beyond what our, we're comfortable with. And, and he's just like, no, I don't want to get in the water. I don't want to get in the water. And, and I just kept repeating to him, hey, buddy, I am with you. I am with you. I'm right here. I'm in the water. Look at me. I'm in the water. Nothing's happened to me. And then I remember saying something to him that I think in my mind, in my proud father mind, triggered in his one-year-old brain. And I said, I said, buddy, I'm never going to ask you to do anything that I won't do first. And I don't know what happened, but that was enough for him. He jumped in the pool. And from then, he's enjoyed swimming ever since. But there was something about saying, hey, I will not ask you to do anything or go anywhere where I won't go first and I won't be with you. Because there's something very empowering about that statement. And I love that that's the exact same statement that God makes to us. As he's saying, I am not going to ask you to go anywhere or do anything or go through anything that I will not be with you in and I will not go with you first. See, when we know that God is good, 
It causes us to control ourselves and then in turn to persevere through whatever it is that comes our way to go all the way through because there is a good God that is going with us. And that's the game changer is that we do not go through it alone. Because here's the thing, anything worth having in life requires suffering. Anything worth having in life inherently requires some type of suffering. God calls us into that suffering so that we can actually experience the life that we dream of, so that we can actually get to that place that we, lo- what we know is available to us, that we are called into, and we spend so much energy avoiding the very thing that is the doorway into the life that we dream of. That suffering, that moment of perseverance that calls us through, and we will walk through life until we get to the waters and we will keep going until we get to the river or we'll see the fires and we will back up because we do not want to go there. And the problem is, is that when we see that and we give up, not only do we give up the pain and the suffering, but we give up our future. We give up our inheritance. We give up the tomorrow that God has designed for us that requires us to go through the fires and the rivers and the waters to transform us to become the people needed to step into that future. And so we resist the very thing that's going to create the tomorrow that we long for. Now, like self-control, perseverance is a forward movement. It is a powerful forward movement. It calls us through what we're going to into what's next. And sometimes I think when we talk about perseverance, we think about it as an act of deprivation, like God's trying to keep something from me, right? Like when you're on a diet and you're persevering, isn't it like, just can't eat the hamburger, can't eat the french fries, right? I can't, I can't do that. I can't, you think about all the things that you cannot have in the middle of that, Right? And we think that what God is doing is that he's keeping something from me because he doesn't want me to have that thing and I just have to white knuckle it. See, suffering or perseverance isn't about not doing something for a long period of time. That's really what perseverance is not. See, the suffering of perseverance is the crucible of presencing a vision that God has called you to create. It is saying, this vision that I have for my life, for my family, for my finances, for my future is so compelling. It is so important. It is calling me and to give up everything, to step into this new future, to birth this future that's available for me and my family and my community. So perseverance is not how much can I let go. It's how much can I give myself focused towards this destination that God has called me to. When Marla was first pregnant... I got really into pregnancy, like really into, like bizarrely into it, reading every book I could find, because I was like, this is so magical, this is so incredible, and we had one of the best birthing coaches, Hallie, she's now a part of our community, we, we met her before uh, she came to Humanity, in fact, we were, I was so compelled that she had to come to Humanity Church, because I was so compelling, and, uh, <laughs> and, and we went through this, this Bradley birthing process, and we were committed to having all-natural births. My wife's a rock star, no meds, not a single drop of medication. She was like, in it. And here's the thing. Part of that was coaching me how to coach her through the entire process. In fact, the most of that was helping me know how to coach her through the entire birthing process so she didn't need any medication. And the whole time, my job was to get her to focus on the future, not the pain. 
Now, that doesn't take the pain away. Trust me. I don't know. She knows. But, but the thing was, the whole time was just give into the pain. It's just going to be painful. Like, just accept that. And so a lot of it was, hey, just give in. It's going to be painful. It's okay. And my job was keep saying, Jackson's coming. Jackson's coming. Jackson's coming. Just, I, this is all for Jackson. This is all for him. So every time there was a contraction, it was like, all right, this is for Jackson, honey. Just release whatever's there. Keep going. This is for him. He's going to be here in a little bit. And here's the thing that I learned through that process is that the more Marla resisted the pain, the more painful it became. The more she actually just released and relaxed into it, the more pain released from her body. And that birthing process could either be extremely painful or it could be less painful based on her willingness to persevere and not resist the pain and reminding her that there's a future coming. There's a future coming that's worth all of this. I think it's the exact same way with perseverance. That God is saying, look, This is all for the future that I have called you into. I know it sucks right now. I know it's painful. I I know you do not want to be here. But if we would stop resisting the call on our lives, if we would stop resisting the beautiful future that God has for us, that we might actually fully step into the promised future that God has for us. See, here's the thing. You don't get to pick the pain in life. Sorry, you don't get to pick whether or not you have pain in life. Pain is a part of life. You do get to pick the pain. There's the pain of resisting the future that God calls to you. And there's the pain of going through it. One produces a very different type of future, and the other produces the life that you were called to live. And Hebrews tells us this. It says in chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Let me just tell you, there is a race marked out for your life, and it is not the rat race that you find yourself in. There is a powerful race that every single one of you were designed for, that we're called to, that we're created for, and it isn't just the nine to five, and it isn't just the same old, same old, and it isn't just getting through and enduring this life. It is a forward movement into the future to win a prize that will go far beyond this lifetime. I know that you were designed to live and to win, but it actually requires perseverance in the race. It requires you to keep running, even when it's difficult. See, what I love about this is that self-control interrupts your past. It interrupts where you have been, but perseverance will win your future. And that's the powerful thing about it. See, Jesus was actually clear about his vision for humanity. He was clear about his vision for you. And that was why he was sweating blood. This is why he endured the cross and all of the suffering and the shame and the pain and the agony. Because it wasn't like God was just like, let me see how much pain I can take on. Let me see how much. I'm going to flaunt this, right? The only reason he went through that was because he so loved the world. 
that he gave himself, that his vision called him to control all of his emotions and to all of his pain and to push through. He could have quit at any single moment, but the vision set before him was you. And that's what called him through all of this to persevere to the cross so that we could actually have the life we were called to live. See, Jesus will never ask you to do anything that he hasn't already done, but also that he hasn't already abundantly provided for, that he hasn't already said, I will not ask you to persevere through anything that he has not already given you everything that you need for. See, never ever will you find yourself in a situation where you get yourself in a pickle or you get yourself into a circumstance where you're like, man, this is difficult. And God's like, whoa, didn't see this coming, right? There's never a moment where God's like, ah, how did you get here? I have, I, yeah, I got nothing, right? He is always like, yeah, I, I, if you would just stop resisting, I have everything you need for the life that you were called to, but you have to persevere. See, Jesus endured the cross and he persevered unto death and then he came back to life and Jesus allowed the people he was serving to murder him. Talk about perseverance right? For some of us, like a family member looks at us wrong and we're like, you're out. (laughs) Jesus is like, hey, you can murder me, but I'm still going to love. I'm still going to forgive. I'm still going to keep going. See, if we were to look at this today, any modern psychologist would tell you that Jesus had incredible boundary issues, right? (laughs) I mean, mean, talk about codependency and all kinds of unhealthiness right here in this. But because in today's context, we're so concerned about protecting ourselves, We're so concerned about making sure that we stay safe, making sure that all of my needs are met, making sure that my comfort is prioritized, making sure that my preferences are respected. See, self-protection will be and will always be the enemy of perseverance. You cannot protect yourself and persevere at the same time. See, we love this idea that Love always wins, but love only wins if it perseveres. Love only wins if it goes all the way through. Love only wins because it calls us to break out of our own wants, our own comforts, our own preferences, our own desires to reach the prize in front of us. This is why at times I get, I get, worsh- I get frustrated in our worship times because we sing these really big phrases right? And I think that's part of what worship does is it calls us into this higher ideal of who God is and how he's called us to live. But, but we sing phrases like, I'm no longer a slave to fear, right? I am a child of God. And we, we like get goosebumps and cry and all this stuff. But I wonder how many of us are willing to press past our own anxiety to love another. In the moment, we'll cry about a song, but are we willing to press past the little fears that come with life, to reach another? Or we sing, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. But are we willing to persevere to reach our enemies, to love our enemies? Are we willing to say, hey, take me to that really uncomfortable conversation that I know I need to have with my mom? Or take me to that really uncomfortable conversation that I know I need to have with my spouse or my kids or my coworker? But lead me where there is no borders, God. (laughs) Or we sing, worthy is the lamb who conquered the grave. But 
are we willing to take death off the table? That we should be those defined by risking for love for the sake of anything. See, until then, it's just a nice idea until we are willing to persevere. See, if you are going to be known by a person that loves, by a person that love wins in your life, you must persevere through the pain. See, I, I, am, I am owned by a vision of leading a community that this is how we live, a dynamic community. And it is both amazing and difficult all at the same time. It, I, I, let me just tell you, when people criticize, I know I'm, I'm going to like say this because it's, it's going to sound weird saying it as a pastor, but when people criticize pastors online, I just cringe because people have no clue what it takes to move a community forward. I remember a few years ago, I had a coach that was working with me, and they said, you know what, I want you to just take some time and write down a list of all the people that have hurt you in the ministry. Just take a moment, right? Just take a moment of all the people that have abandoned you or left you or, or hurt you in some way, and I thought, all right, I'll you know, write a little list. I came back the next week, 144 names. And I was like, yeah, we have a little bit of work to do. <laughs> Here, and let me tell you, it would be so easy to quit. It'd be so easy with all the emails and texts and the, the responsibilities, and it is painful, and it, it feels ridiculous at times. And now let me just tell you, I'm not white-knuckling humanity because there's a vision for the future of our community, and not just us in this room, but for our city and our state and our nation and our country. See, I press on towards a vision of serving a community so well that it transforms the world. And let me just tell you, all of the suffering becomes less crazy and it becomes less like perseverance when there's people sitting in our living room that's saying, I would not be alive today had it not been for Humanity Church. Yeah. It, it, all the suffering goes away when there's someone that comes up and says, our, we would be divorced had it not been for this community. It all goes away when there are people that come up and say, I have totally transformed the way I live my life because of this community. Not because of me, but because of this community. And it is the vision set before us that transforms perseverance into an act of math, from an act of masochism to an act of glory. It's the vision set before us. I love how Paul says this. He says, more than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will never put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, hope is always the end game of perseverance. It's the natural byproduct of persevering. Your life will be filled with hope even in the most crazy of circumstances, even in the most insane situations, your life will be filled with hope. Here's the thing that I found in life is that if you find yourself in a hopeless place, chances are there is something that God is asking you to persevere through that you have resisted. If you're like, how do I get hope back in my life? Just ask God, what do you want me to persevere through? What's the suffering that you're calling me to? Well, what is the thing that I've been avoiding? What's the conversation that I know I need to have, but I don't want to have? What's the thing that I need to start controlling that I've been unwilling to control up to now? What's the habit that I need to break so that I can step into the life that I've called to? Because perseverance shapes you into the person that hope longs for. 
And you will find yourself back in that space of hope. See, I love that in Hebrews it says that if we run the race and persevere, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and let us run this race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. He says that that is exactly what happens, that persevering causes us to produce hope in life. So if you want to produce hope in your life, then continue running, continue persevering in the middle of that. And it's this act of throwing something off for the sake of the vision so that I can step into hope. That's the equation. If you need an equation, that's the equation. I throw something off for a specific vision so that I can have the hope that I long for. So I throw off unforgiveness for this vision of a relationship so I can have the family that I long for to turn out. I throw off bitterness so that I can have this vision of compassion so that I can step into freedom. I throw off anger for the vision of joy so that I can have fullness. I throw off apathy for the vision of action so that I can have authenticity. I throw off greed for the sake of gratitude so I can live a generous whole life. I throw off jealousy and comparison so that I can have this vision of connection so that I can step into the family of God. I throw off comfort, obedience, and I risk so that I can step into wholeness. I throw off surviving so that I can step into life and love fully. We throw off for the sake of a vision so we can have the hope set before us. We will do whatever it takes to throw off whatever is needed to step into the future. And this is why I love Paul also says this. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. See, on the other side of those waters is freedom. On the other side of those rivers that seem to take us over that require perseverance is faith. On the other side of all the fires that come through and burn everything, there is life. But you must pull through. You must step fully through those things. So that at the end of our lives, that this might be our mantra that Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, at the end of my life, if I can say anything, this is what I hope for. That I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That, that's, that is what our souls long for. And that is why perseverance is so important. It's so interesting that, that, that Paul here, he's writing to Timothy and he connects fighting and finishing with faith. That if at the end of your life, you want to say, I finished, I finished well. I have, I have accomplished everything that I was called to accomplish. I gave everything. I am empty. I have nothing left to give. It is connected to faith. It is connected to believing that you can go through that because when you have fought through the storm, you know things on the other side that you didn't know before. When you have gone through the river all the way to the other side, you know things on the other side that you didn't know before. When you have endured the flames and God has stood there with you, it changes how you see everything on the other side. But if you give up, you'll never have that. You will never experience it and everything needed to move forward into the life that you were called to. See, you no longer need to waste your energy on merely surviving. Stop it. 
You are not called to that. I have never, ever coached a human being in my life that said, at the end of the day, what I want people to say of me is that I survived this thing. (laughs) No one wants to say that of their life. There is nothing inside of you that is compelled by that. I know this whole COVID situation has tempted us to step into that future of just merely surviving. But God now is saying, you are called to step back into your vision of life and life more abundant. And see, you know that that goes without saying because it echoes inside of you. You know that there is something inside of you that says there is more than just existing. And you have to have that faith that will pull you through. You are free to live and love because God has done the same. He has gone through it for you and with you. And now he's saying, hey, I'm already in it. Just come in. It's all right. I will persevere with you. See, we were designed to not just withstand the storm. We were designed to be elevated in it. That with the presence of God with us in the middle of it, to have the storm shape us so that we might step into the life that we were called to live. And so that at the end of the day, not only will we have finished the race, but we will have demonstrated to the world around us that there is evidence for things unseen, that that there is proof of a God who is good and who has set up promises for us that we know to be true, that it's possible to control your power and your love towards a future and to endure through until the end so that you can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Jesus, I know that there are people in here who are tired. In fact, if that's you, just no eyes looking around. If you're just like, hey, I am, I am kind of tired right now of persevering, would you just raise your hand? I don't care what kind of area it is. Maybe you're just in it and you're like, I'm tired of persevering. I, I, God, I ask right now for your presence to be so real right now with those who are in this room feeling overwhelmed by the enduring, by the persevering God. May they know that you are with them in the fire, in the flood, in the waters, God. God, may they, may they know that they are not walking alone, but that they are walking right alongside of you, that they have been given everything they need, not just from you, God, but from this community that is surrounding them right now. And God, I thank you that there is a future that you have called us to and that you do not just waste our suffering, our persevering, but that you meet us in that to win the future ahead of us. I ask that you would fill us with hope. And this morning, if you've not yet connected to Jesus, this is not just like a nice self-help conversation. You cannot do this without him. It will be impossible. You will burn out. You will find yourself exhausted. You will find yourself addicted to something. I promise. And so, right now, if you have not yet connected to Jesus and you want to, maybe for the first time in a long time, or maybe for the first time today, 
This is your moment. If you're online, you can just press that button that says, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus, or you can just type Jesus in the comments. But if that's you today, I want you just to look up at me because this is your opportunity to connect to him. And I want you to pray a prayer with me. These aren't magic words. This is just you talking to a God who is with you. And I want you just to, to say these words to him. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I'm broken and I need a savior. I know that you died and you came back to life for me. So I make you my Lord. I give you everything so that I might live fully alive. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.